0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Broadcasting live from the Score
2: Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Joe Ostrowski here. I appreciate Rick Camp for filling my shoes last week with some quality content. Welcome to the weekend. How stressful was that trade deadline yesterday? I need a bit of a baseball break. I don't know how much baseball, if you're a Cubs fan, that you're going to be watching moving forward. But that was a bit much. wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Wild stuff. Happy the Cubs stuff didn't come down to the final minute. There wasn't. Uh, Will he stay? Won't he stay? Uh, Jed Hoyer decided to make that clear very early on, going right down the line with just about every single player on the Cubs roster. Don't worry, we're going to get to that coming up with the betting markets, which went wild, as well as those general managers, and we'll address that later this hour. In football, NFC North markets flipped earlier in the week. I'll tell you why. And make sure that you're following me on Twitter. I share all sorts of information as these numbers move there all week. At Joe0670, at Joe0670. And, of course, on BetQL Daily, 8 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday on the Odyssey app. And if you have an HD radio on 105.9 FM, HD2 105.9 FM HD 2, 8 to 11 a.m. Emergency press conference. It's time. I've got two announcements. We're going to do one later. We are too close. Too close. Football is going to be here before we know it. So the meat of every early odds for the rest of the year, it's going to be football, college and pro. Only 28 days away from the start of the college football season. That's right. Just a few more Saturdays without college football. Waking up early, getting those bets in as you're watching game day. Stayed up late, chasing with Hawaii. We've all been there and done that. I'm going to try and not complain about uh, not being able to bet on Illinois. There's going to be a game in Illinois, in Champaign four Saturdays from right now, but we can't bet on it in the state still, even though they told us it would be fixed, be fixed. Uh, let's bring in our buddy, Pete Futek, collegefootballnews.com. You hear him throughout the college football season right here on 670. The score.
4: Hey, Pete. Well, there are still ways you could bet on Illinois. legally. Oh, if, you, you know, legally. Well, if that's what's hanging you up, then that's, that, that can't be an issue at this point. Yeah. You know what? It's funny about uh, what you do, what you do is sort of a saving grace for me because with all the realignment stuff and all the business things and okay. So basically college football is turning into a, a true professional sports league and all the, you know, the screaming and yelling going on at the end of the day, all you want to do is bet on the dumb game. And like, that's (laughs) it. (laughs) Who cares where Texas and Oklahoma and West Virginia, and if there's a big 12 or not, is There's a game, you bet on it, you, you make money, and you move on.
2: Yeah, you know, let's push that back a little bit, at least a few minutes, because I got to tell you, I, I don't want to have Pete FuTech on and get all excited about college football starting in four weeks, about the games we're going to yeah. bet, the teams we should be buying, the teams we should be selling. Okay, let's go realignment. There's going to be this mega SEC. So we'll, we'll get to that coming up in a few minutes. But But this week, the stuff that I've been looking at, I'm really excited about this Heisman race. I'm not telling people that they need to make, make a bet right now, but I'm just looking at the last couple of years and how it went down. I mean, Devontae Smith was 50 to one in December last year. I got him two weeks before the season ended at five to one to win the Heisman. He ends up being your winner. Two years ago, the middle of the summer, you could have found Joe Burrow at 200 to one. He ends up winning the Heisman. So, what I'm going to ask you about is a strategy to start before we get to some names. Now, Devante wins, obviously a wide receiver, but if we go back the last 21 years, we have 17 quarterbacks that have won this award, even though Devante just won it. Is this a quarterback award?
4: Always. And first of all, I want to clear something. I am jacked for the season. The realignment stuff, it's exhausting. The NIL stuff, it's just, you know, that's cost of doing business in my world, but the season itself compared to where we were last year, and that we're gonna have probably a full season. I, I'm fired up for the actual sport of college football to happen. Uh, to your point, I have the most boring answer ever. Uh, when it comes to the Heisman, is the if you can take the field on anything, do that. Cause like you said, Devante Smith. Joe Burrow, uh, you know, like even Kyler Murray to a certain extent, uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, those were not slam dunk locks, even though Mayfield was my pick that La- year. Lamar that, that Jackson, football. Lamar Jackson was sure. a sophomore, and we don't see that much. Yeah. It's the Johnny Manziel thing, like you know. It, there's always the, it, so what you're trying to project here is who is the guy on the good team who's going to put up astronomical numbers. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, however was Alabama last year because Devonte Smith was not the best wide receiver on his own team. Mac Jones would actually put up probably the great, he actually kind of beat Joe Burrow in the most efficient season in the history of college football. And then you got dumbass Heisman voters like me <laughs> who didn't have Devonte Smith even on his ballot because I'm kind of a believer in, you know, who's the signature guy of the season. And it turns out we could have done this after the national championship, obviously, I had vote for Devante Smith. But to me, I'm mm-hmm. the guy who, like, you know, took Kyle Trask because he put up better numbers than Joe Burrow. Uh, and then I thought Najee Harris was the star. Like, Najee Harris was a highs, should have been a Heisman winner. He was the real glue of that team and wasn't even really all that close. So, to your point, running backs kind of tough. That's it's kind of hard to find that guy because even if you have a, a Chuba Hubbard of a few years ago, or Jonathan Taylor; those dudes are are cranking out two thousand yard seasons, and they're close but not quite. So mm-hmm. you got to kind of figure out who is the guy who's going to put up the ridiculous numbers and have one at least one big giant signature moment, kind of like Lamar Jackson, definitely like Johnny Manziel. There is your high moment; that's your season. So, yeah. it, okay, so a CJ Stroud, okay, Bryce, uh, Bryce Young, Bryce Young, Bryce Young. Thank you, uh, nice. from Alabama. Those new guys are kind of hard to pick out and it's boring to take Spencer Rattler. So I always kind of say, if you've got like, do what you did and kind of read the room as you go. And then halfway through the season, kind of see, see where this is sort of trending one way or the other. But if you're going to nail me down to one name, I would say right now, as we're talking, like you said, 28 days in advance, whoever you like in the Georgia Clemson game to start the season, whichever team you like go with that quarterback, because Mm -hmm. there is your signature moment. There is what's going to kind of spend everything else, especially if you like DJ Uyunglele because they've got nothing the rest of the way. And so in a lot of ways, he's almost the perfect early Heisman pick because if he rocks and Clemson beats Georgia and he's great, then you might not hear from Uyunglele again because they're just never going to be on TV because they don't play anybody. And then he's just going to put up big numbers. Everyone's going to remember he's great. And then they're going to win the ACC championship, and he's at least going to be a finalist.
2: So if I'm given real betting advice, my advice is don't make a bet monitor every week and take a look on Monday morning when the new numbers get posted. That's my real advice. But that's not fun, Joe. I mean, that's not fun, Pete. Uh, so I, I'm looking four weeks out. I, like the third
4: person. I, I think I think the conversation with yourself is far more interesting. I I, 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 that.
2: I prefer that. now you're in my world now you know what happens on a daily basis here uh let me throw some quick names at you because i find like the 15 to 20 to 5 to 1 range uh somewhat interesting let's go to north carolina a lot of people high on north carolina they think they have a shot an outside shot at taking the acc they're going to avoid clemson all regular season what about sam howell who can be found in the 16 17 to 1 range
4: I'm ridiculously embarrassed to not know this off the top of my head for sure. I think they get Notre Dame too. I think so that if if you're talking about where's your signature moment, if I have this right, I think the Tar Heels do play the Irish and that would be his moment. He's going to get the publicity all year long as possibly being the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, So So, yeah, it's not crazy. That's not a crazy call because he's going to put up humongous numbers. uh, And if he has a signature game uh, somewhere along the uh, way, and, obviously, if, if it would then come down to if North Carolina actually gets to the ACC championship, and then if he rocks against Clemson, then there's your done deal.
2: In South Bend, Saturday night, October 30th. You're right. Well, oh, there you go. Yeah, over. you're there's right. Your there's, your, there's your signature win. Okay, how about a couple other names that I was taking a look at? As we talk about this, I'm kind of thinking this is a waste of money. Some people I respect that are like, Take a swing on Matt Coral. With Lane Kiffin, 40 points per game. He can gain uh, some yardage on the ground as well. But I'm like, it's Ole Miss. They're not going to win the SEC. So if it's a team award now, it feels like a waste of money.
4: But Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M didn't win the, the SEC title. Mm. And it's not crazy because you're right. Ole Miss is one of my sleeper teams to at least annoy everybody. They're not going to, like you said, they're not, they ain't win the SEC. They're not winning the SEC West. But they get Alabama, I think, in their house, and they're going to put up a gajillion points a game. So his stats are going to be there. And again, if he rocks against Alabama and or Texas A&M, in a Johnny Manziel kind of way, he can get potentially close.
2: Kedon Slovis, USC. (sighs) It's
4: the Pac-12 problem of, you know, you just don't see their games. I mean, they don't. I mean, they get Notre Dame. So again, there's your signature moment. This is not as good a team. They're gonna. He's not gonna put up the numbers compared to some of the other guys in the Pac-12. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's, I, I can see it. But he's he would have to go off the charts. And that offense that's supposed to put up mega numbers and it kind of did at times last year. I mean, to get a, to win this as a quarterback. It, now we've set the bar so ridiculously high. Mm -hmm. Where every year, the last quarterback, the next quarterback just beats the greatest season in the history of college football. I don't think he's going to do that. And the other problem is I don't quite see USC being this 12-0 Pac-12 championship juggernaut. One
2: more on the Heisman, then we'll move on. In his 18th year of eligibility, we've got Brock (laughs) Purdy at Iowa State. Uh, He's 33-1. UCF. You've got Dylan Gabriel, a long shot at 66 to 1. Actually, I do see him at 100 to 1, Dylan Gabriel, the UCF quarterback. And there are some people that are high on Washington this year. Dylan Morris is 150 to 1. Tell me why those are losers.
4: Uh, Because they're not going to win the Heisman Trophy. So um, outside of that, UCF, a signature game for them, they get Cincinnati. They do, you know, Gus Malzahn's offense, Dylan Gabriel is going to be very good. But that's still kind of a heavy lift. Yeah. Uh, the stats are going to be there. But again, even if UCF goes 13-0, and 0, they're not getting in the college football playoff almost certainly. So it, it's a little hard. It's not too crazy. Dylan Morris at Washington, if he comes out and just obliterates Michigan early on and perhaps like some 400-yard game, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, who's the third name again? Oh, Brock, Brock Purdy problem with that is his numbers (laughs) aren't good. His his numbers aren't going to be there. Uh, The team will be good. But Brees Hall is, I mean, they've run the ball so well. Uh, Brock Purdy Mm -hmm. could be very efficient, but I don't see him putting up the numbers to get the Heisman. So with that said, if you, he's probably not on your list. And this goes to my, the field theory. I got a gut feeling that the guy to watch out for, who's going to rise up this year Uh, with the caveat that last year I thought K.J. Costello at Mississippi State was going to be that guy, and after one week I looked like a genius, and I threw 900 picks in the next week, and that was it. (laughs) Tyler Shug, the former Oregon uh, quarterback, who was supposedly in a quarterback battle with that Justin Herbert guy and didn't win the job a couple years ago, wasn't bad last year, and now he's at Texas Tech. That offense isn't the Texas Tech of norm. He's the kind of the underground guy who might be this year's, you might say, Burrow-ish guy mm. because he's a, he's a tools guy. He's got everything NFL talent-wise that you want, and he could rise up fast and be that number one overall draft pick. And certainly he's going to have signature moments potentially uh, in the Big 12 this year.
2: Very good. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score, my guess, the great Pete Futek, collegefootballnews.com. Uh, I pushed it off long enough. We'll do it. Uh, Daily Cavalcade, you see it on the website every day, collegefootballnews.com. You're breaking it down The realignment that it appears that uh, we will see. It's just a matter of when it's going to go down. Texas, Oklahoma likely going to the Southeastern Conference. What I'm more interested in, instead of this mega SEC that everyone's talking about, is the domino effect. What happens to the Big 12, Big 10, ACC, Pac-12? The
4: thing to remember about the mega thing with the SEC is that while it sounds massive because it is from a business standpoint all you're really doing is now you're you're going from 13 teams that aren't going to win the sec championship to 15 teams that aren't going to win the sec championship Hmm. so like okay so you're adding texas and oklahoma all right so that means oklahoma probably loses an extra game a year and goes 10 and 2 even when they're awesome that probably means texas even with their better recruiting is a 9 and 3 ish team that once in a while flirts with something great and as we've learned with the SEC over the years, you could be really, really, really awesome and win a fat load of jack squat. I mean, it just—it's hard to win the SEC championship because eventually, because it's either going to be Alabama or that epic LSU team, or some weird kick six thing happens. And it's just—it's okay competitively they're in there, and people are going to pay attention to a point, but then they're going to be kind of also Rams, and it's going to be interesting games, but just not as big of a deal, I think, as they're making it out to be, if that's even possible. But to your question, right now, as we speak, Big 12 is, is got the panic sirens out because they're trying to figure out how to survive. Because the, the prevailing thought was, at some point, and, and the Big 12 really sort of blew this, because they could have had Houston whenever they wanted. They could have had South Florida and UCF, which I always thought they should have done, because then you've got a footprint in Florida and Tampa and Orlando. And they could have had you know Memphis and Cincinnati for the taking, and now the script is kind of flipped as the rumors are out there. You know, Bob Bowlesby sent out the letter, the cease and desist letter to ESPN to say, "Hey, stop asking my date, our dates to dance. You know, stop hitting on our girls here. Stop hitting on our teams." And as it turns out, I thought it was the ACC that was going to be the one that was going to rise up in this because the, because ESPN owns the ACC network. And as it turns out. It it seems like it's the American Athletic Conference that might be expanding with these Big 12 teams. So there are moves to be had here. The biggest move possible the Big 12 could kind of make is to try to align somehow in a deal with the Pac-12 and just say, look, let's just come up with a Big 20 team something where we kind of do what we do. You do what you do. Our non-conference games are going to be against each other. And then we kind of come up with some mega idea here to to kind of mutually lock down the extra two-thirds of the country from Kansas on. Maybe that's what they do. But right now, yeah, Big 12 is in serious, serious danger. So
2: we'll have a few mega conferences, and we'll have 12 teams making the playoffs before we know it,
4: right? Well, the funny thing about that, though, is that, okay, ESPN really is the one guiding this. However, how the 12-team thing came about is that Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby and SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey kind of, you know, they had a cup of coffee together and they sort of hung out and they're like, wouldn't this be kind of cool? And they sort of hammered it out. Well, they don't probably like each other very much right now. So ah. if you're, So the idea that, okay, if you're going to have a 12-team playoff, if you're the Big 12 or if you're the Big 10 or if any of these leagues – At this point, you're changing up this deal because you're like, okay, the way it's set up is that the top six uh, conference champions are automatically in. But you don't want that. And then another six SEC teams, you know, if Texas and Oklahoma, they're getting in here. So this is not quite the slam dunk now that it was. It seemed to be a few weeks ago.
2: Mm, Very interesting. With Pete FuTech College Football News. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, and uh, let's keep it to those Power 5 conferences for a minute uh, when discussing conference futures. ACC, we address them. Clemson is a massive favorite, minus 900 over at points bet in the SEC. Of course, Bama's your favorite at minus 160, Pac-12. Oregon, your favorite, but everybody's plus money. The Ducks are plus 225. Yep. In the Big Ten, Ohio State, minus 200. Big 12, Oklahoma, minus 170. Uh, do you have a favorite conference future that you like? It doesn't have to be one of those favorites. We can go anywhere.
4: God, what a boring season if that actually happens. That, that's, yeah. that's almost why you want conference. It's like, okay, those are the, not only are those the best teams, those are the best teams with the most favorable schedules. So you're looking at those schedules and be like, looking again, look at Clemson's schedule. Find me the game after Georgia that they're not like 17 and a half points favorites in at least, you know, so they're going to rip through that slate. Uh, let's start with this. I don't necessarily love the Alabama pick. Uh, Alabama's probably the preseason. Number one, their, their defense this year is going to be as good as their offense was last year. I mean, their linebacking core is just twisted. Good. It's just so deep and so talented. But the problem with that is got to go to Texas A&M. LSU's going to be better. Georgia has the talent to be uh, a top five overall team, if not number mm-hmm. one, especially if they beat Clemson. So you're talking about landmines. As we, and as we've seen in the past, like I said before, you could be really, really awesome in the SEC and not win anything. Like A couple of years ago, that Alabama team was on a, just a direct path to at least playing for the national championship. And then Nick Saban you know, leaves into a tongue mm-hmm. of Iola in a meaningless series, and gets, gets him—you know, he gets hurt, and then there's your season. It just takes a little tweak, and the rest of the SEC is so good. I don't like the Alabama pick in all of this. I don't like Clemson because there's no value there, and that's just no fun. No. That's what's going to happen. Um, Oklahoma, yeah, they're just this might be the best Lincoln-Riley team yet. And I know everyone's in love with Iowa State. I can't get there. I know maybe I'm being snobbish on this because uh, it's, it's Iowa State and the program has never won an outright conference championship and it's 100 and whatever years of playing, uh, but it's Oklahoma's conference. You know, Oregon's pretty decent money, but again, that's kind of an even Pac-12. You mentioned Washington. They're, a, that's a good, strong team. USC certainly good. If you want kind of the, the quirky out-of-the-box thought is Utah, which kind of gets forgotten about but they may at least got to the Pac-12 championship two of the last three years. And they got the team back to possibly do that again. And you could probably get decent value. The problem with that is they could probably get there, but not win it.
2: We're with Pete FuTech college football news, early odds, Joe Ostrowski sports radio, 670. the score a month before the season, every single year, every single summer, Pete, we're talking about returning starters. That's the thing. Returning starters. Well, we're coming off a COVID year we're coming off an NFL draft where a quarterback played one game and he was drafted third overall in Trey Lance. Are you having a tough time projecting this season? Because I don't even know what you do with last year. We would wake up on some Saturdays. Oh, by the way, uh, 40 guys are out with COVID
4: screws up your, uh, your idea of win totals. And it was so hard it, it,
2: to it was so hard to bet last year. I I, I know a, a lot of professional bettors that just walked away in the middle of the season. They're like I, I can't do anything with this. I don't I don't know what to do. I'm done. I'm not betting any more college football.
4: However, the guys who could figure out kind of realized if you kind of bet the same amount on every game and kept going with the possible underdog. I know it didn't pull that the favorites certainly did their part, but there were so many quirky things that happened that the lines were just skewed way too often. The underdog just kept coming out. There was, there was like a two or three week span when offenses just couldn't score. And if you figured out the trend that every game was pretty much going under because the, these offenses were missing, like all left guard. And as it turned out that that would matter. So this year, and I, I forgive me for mixing this into a fun sports topic, but mm-hmm. it's it, and this was kind of the thing about the the, the media days this year is like, okay, yeah, 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 my team's know, yeah, we're we're working hard, we're going forward. The one question that everyone wanted to know and really matter was, is how vaccinated is your team? And because yeah. that's it, because like you know, if you have a Kirby Smart who's saying we're eighty five percent vaccinated, it's a shame we're not a hundred. Look, for again, forgetting your belief systems and all that, you want a team that's fully ready to go, that you can at least know, th- at the very least, their guys are vaccinated have a better shot of playing week in and week out, as opposed to the teams where, let's say, Mississippi State, where Mike Leach is, you know, snarly about it. And it's like, eh, maybe that's a team that probably will, if, if any team out there might miss a game or something, there you go. It's ugly enough to try to bet on the health of, you know, college kids. And if they have a you know, serious disease or not, or betting on a disease in general, but that's really sort of how it is going to be this year is in the betting world. And then you're seeing this in the NFL right now, who's vaccinated and who isn't.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's wrap with some wind totals. Uh, locally, we've got Illinois. If you go elsewhere, uh, you can find it at <laughs> three and a half wins. The Northwestern Wildcats at six and a half Notre Dame is at eight and a half. Do you like any of those, any, any uh, particular team in the big 10 that uh, you were buying or selling?
4: Yeah. All three of those, I kind of think are a tad low. Um, I, I have a theory and a belief that, that betting and win totals in preseason rankings are too often based on, do the guys know who the starting quarterback is? And are you familiar with what he can do? And that's a little bit of an issue with, you know, okay, really is Jack Cohn the quarterback of Notre Dame. Okay. But the, they're playing a real schedule, a real great schedule. It's even better than the ACC slate of last year, but they're still good enough. I mean, if you look at their you know, game by game, where do you see those four losses coming from unless you're projecting USC at home or Stanford on the road or Wisconsin and Chicago, you know, any of these you know, fun games that they have, but they're going to be the favorites to most of those games. So long-winded way of saying, I kind of think that eight and a half is a tad low, Mm -hmm. Illinois is going to find their way there. They have a nice base of non-conference wins coming their way where all they're going to have to do is sort of gut out a win or two uh, somewhere during the schedule. I think they can get the five. Uh, I think that's pretty low and Northwestern. I know last year they win the West mainly because all of Wisconsin got COVID early and then their wide receivers all got hurt, but this team might be as good, if not better, than last year's versions if the, if, version, if the quarterback play is okay. If you think they can win that opener, they can get to seven or eight. I think that's a little low as well. Four weeks, Pete. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, it, <laughs> I am. You know, I, I seriously, like, I, I, I only sort of like, the, I, I despise human interest stories, which makes the Olympics boring to me. Um, so I'm that <laughs> bad guy. And, I haven't been watching and, either. And actually I have been watching, but I just like, okay. I, I kind of care, but like go for, perf- you know, go do your thing and perform. I, I like care about backstory. Um, and I'm again, bad guy. Uh, baseball just doesn't float <laughs> my boat. I'm going to try to be, I'm actually trying to do the impossible and become the first person ever to win a high end big time baseball knowledge fantasy Roto league without watching an inning of baseball all year. And I'm close oh, to okay. it. So I got the number one team right now, uh, but that's <laughs> baseball. So, Yes, I am ready for football now that you ask. And I am ready for all the training camp stuff. I am ready for all of it to kick in.
2: Uh, check out collegefootballnews.com. And uh, tell me about this brand new College Wires podcast.
4: Well, the great Nick Shepkowski, who runs FightingIrishWire.com uh, through the USA Today Wire Network, WireSights Network. Uh, Nick and I sit there, and we really sort of ramble way too long talking college football stuff. Right now, we, we do a 45-minute thing, which I know sounds like for forever, but it actually flows shockingly well because there's uh, we cover just about every scenario and situation in conference when it comes to all this realignment stuff. And now we're going to dive into it during the season, and you are going to get tapped for your knowledge uh, at some point as a guest on our podcast as we go.
2: Pete, thank you so much. Uh, 45 minutes is nothing. We just go 2x speed, and we're good.
4: Fine. fine. Just basically, as soon as Nick starts talking, just you know, fifteen to 30, seconds, 30, seconds, thirty seconds, thirty seconds, thirty seconds, and then and then get back to, to to what's really interesting. Thanks, Pete. Later. Pete
2: Futek, collegefootballnews.com, and a regular here on six seventy. The score during the fall. I guess we'll have to rehash the death of the wheeling and dealing Cubs and the all in White Sox. The odds are on the move too. Oh, and I've got another cool announcement to share. This is Early Odds with me, Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The score listener line is open 24-7, 365, and powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski, 670 the score, just like every Saturday morning, 8 to 9. So good news to share. I teased you another announcement, so I'm going to share that good news right now. If you're into this sort of sports betting content, starting this week... I will be appearing on every score show weekly to discuss all sorts of odds on the teams and the players that you care about. The plan is Tuesday through Friday. I'll be on the scores. I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be a thrill. Uh, Back on the air with Mully and Hall. You may remember I used to do updates for that show. Bernstein and Rahimi, I'll appear on that show. Lawrence did that last football season on Fridays. We're going to keep doing that on Fridays and Parkinson Spiegel every week. It's going to be great to hang out uh, during the week with everyone. Now, unfortunately, for some of you, there are not a lot of players that you care about on the north side right now, which explains all the vitriol. It's been around the last 24 to 48 hours. But first, how about the White Sox? Do you remember when a Cubs-Sox trade, which was never going to happen in the past? Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. If you get it wrong, you're in here for the rest of your career. Well, those are the old days. Now they seem to happen every couple of years. Yeah, Kimbrell to the Sox, Madrigal plus Hoyer to the Cubs. It was big, but it was just one of many stories uh, with all that craziness from Friday. The latest odds across the board. The White Sox are the third favorite to win the World Series right behind the Astros. Lance Lynn has shifted to the favorite. For the AL Cy Young Award. Now on the North Side, after the Cubs moved Rizzo and Kimbrel and Baez and eventually Bryant in the final hour, some spots have the North Siders at five hundred to one. Yeah, five hundred to one to win the World Series. I mean, we all know that that number doesn't really matter since they aren't making the playoffs. But when you see five hundred, it's it's a wow moment. You're with the Rangers. You're with the Pirates wasn't long ago this team was out in front in the NL Central. It's a challenge to provide proper context when reacting to sports news on social media. And it isn't really a place for nuance, but uh, maybe we can try that here. There's a lot of depth and a lot of conversations to be had when going over what happened to the Cubs. Let's live in the present for a moment. Jed Hoyer 100% did the right thing this week. And he got what he could for his players. Season is over. You have all these expiring contracts. There's little benefit to holding on to these expiring deals in a lost season. So go out, get what you can for the future. Because you're in it for the long haul. The problem is the last few years. And Theo decided he didn't want to be here for these last couple days. Since he was going to be here for the future, which I do understand on some level... And Jed was here for everything that led to this awful week. So he's not excused from this conversation. They ran it back and ran it back when they should have moved on. One of many problems. Theo's mantra became, (laughs) the offense is broken. At the end of the season, he's going to talk to the media for an hour or two. He's going to talk about how the offense is broken. Well, they kept running it back. Failure to draft and develop, especially on the pitching side. So what'd they do? Use Ricketts' money, buy pitching, buy pitching. We can't draft and develop it, buy more. That's our big issue. This isn't anything new. This was going on uh, during the World Series run, those three consecutive years when they made the NLCS. Don't forget, they never took a stand. We've known for years, any observer of the Cubs would tell you, one day it's going to be Baez versus Bryant. You have to choose. It wasn't Radio Shtick. We weren't doing it to fill up phone calls, right, for the year. Now both are gone, Baez and Bryant. Everybody is gone. Brizzo is gone. And the reason the return wasn't what some of you were expecting was because they're all rentals. Everybody's a rentals. So what do you think you're going to get? Why? Because you never, ever took a stand. You didn't adjust to how the game was being played and the roster that you had. Now the Cubs are back where they started when Theo and Jed arrived. Yesterday, I was looking at the Cubs' 2012 opening day lineup. Is this what it's going to be the rest of the season and maybe next year? Possibly. DeJesus, Barney Castro Soriano, Ian Stewart, Baker, Marlon Bird, Gio Soto. Disgusting. I mean, I guess the lineup with Ortega, Happ, and Duffy that we saw last night is a little bit better. A little bit. Oh, and that Rickett statement that we saw. Oh, man. I don't know if he's going to be speaking into a microphone anytime soon. If they have the Cubs convention, don't think he's bringing back the Q&A session. Ugh. Just wanted to address that because it's hard to provide proper context and there are so many many layers to this betql daily my weekday show 8 to 11 a.m on 105.9 fm hd2 the bet and the odyssey app one of my favorite guests to talk baseball with is michael beller from the athletic here's a couple of minutes from our conversation yesterday michael as a fellow cubs fan i'm wondering how you're doing Because it's weird. I've got these mix of emotions. Well, I can be enraged because I can't stand Tom Ricketts. And he decided to just give away you, Darvish, before the season started. And the offense has been broken for years. We thought when they won the championship in 2016, like most fan bases, windows wide open, all this this young core, they're going to be here forever. They're going to win more than one championship. And they waited too long. The offense has been broken for years, but they didn't want to move any pieces. Theo didn't want to make that move, so he quit. He's like, Jed, you handle this mess because I know you're going to have to break it up when we get to this uh, trade deadline. On one hand, I'm frustrated with that, but I also applaud the Cubs. I applaud them for actually making the big move. If you asked me a week ago, I didn't think they were going to trade Anthony Rizzo, and no way did I believe that he was going to be the first big move.
3: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought for sure that Rizzo was just going to sort of go down with the ship this season and sign elsewhere next year. I, I was shocked when that trade got announced yesterday. I really did not see that coming. Obviously, it's frustrating for all the reasons that you said. This felt like a team that was uh, going to win more than one World Series. But given where the we could you know, re, re-litigate uh, everything that's happened, really between the end of the 2017 season and the end of the 2019 season as really the lost to time, for the Cubs in a time that felt like they should have been a little bit better, a little bit more competitive. Uh, But really, if you just look at where they are now, I I think you do have to applaud them. Um, I'm not going to put myself up as a prospect expert, but all the returns that they've been getting, the return they got for Jack Peterson looks very good. The return they got for Anthony Rizzo looks good. And as I referenced earlier, the fact that uh, they were willing to uh, take on the financial cost of paying Rizzo to improve the prospect return You you sort of have to just take that as it is. At least you can take some solace in that, as sad as it is, to see the core of this last decade ripped down before our eyes.
2: The Athletics' Michael Beller with me on BetQL Daily, weekdays 8 to 11 a.m. on 105.9 FM, HD2 The Bet and the Odyssey app. Did you hear about the odds change with every team in the NFC North? I'll break that down for you next with Jim Miller. Early odds, Saturdays on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. PointsBet offers the fastest and easiest registration in Illinois. When you bet with PointsBet, the proud partner of Hawthorne Racecourse, you get faster bets, faster withdrawals, and faster rewards at your fingertips. Download the PointsBet app now. And use code THE SCORE to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Happy Saturday. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Odd Sports Radio 670, the score. And there is a points bet sports book over at Hawthorne Racecourse. You should check it out. And don't forget that if you're not registered, you have to register in person. And you can do that over at Hawthorne Racecourse. Over at Hawthorne, we've got our buddy Jim Miller at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. Hey, Jim.
7: Hey Joe, yeah, I'll tell you, it's been a really busy week. You'd think with everything winding down with NBA and NHL, it'd be quiet, but the Olympics are in full swing. And with the hours the Olympics are going on, that means there's really kind of round the clock activity. You have trade deadline here for MLB. NFL's just around the corner, too. So things are really gonna pick up. There's really not a break this year at all in the sports wagering calendar.
2: I've been talking about it all week on BetQL Daily. Yeah, there's no break, but also for me. I know we just had the trade deadline yesterday, but the countdown is on. I'm counting down to the NFL and college football, and I know you're excited because you received the uh, Survivor League invite. I, yes. Once those start filling up the inbox on the email, I get so excited. Okay, we got to figure out our fantasy draft date. Survivor League, do you want to be in this pick em pool? How about this one? This one costs this much money. It's so much fun. I can't wait to be overloaded on Sundays.
7: And I'll tell you, I've learned from survivor pools in the past that you have to have multiple entries in there because you can play things a little bit different way. So I'm going to have my multiple survivor entries. I'm going to have my fantasy league. And then to be able to bet each and every week, because I was finding last year, man, I was loving player props last year, Joe. And that's something that you get to see in the NFL, and especially running backs, wide receivers, yardage over and under. It's, It's something that I just, I really found it really enjoyable to watch a game because you may not like a side one way or another, but you can follow a player, follow his game. And I'll tell you, it really made watching football so much fun. And it is, it's like right there on our doorstep, a 17 game season, 18 weeks. This is just going to be great.
2: Oh man. We'll have to talk about survivor strategies as we get closer and closer to the season, because the way to win last year was just attack, the horrible teams. And it it feels like we're going to have a couple of tanking teams this season. Uh, We're going to have to see how that starts to play itself out. But yeah, we'll we'll have to hit on some strategy uh, going into the year. Speaking of going into the year, it was Aaron Rodgers drama all week. It was beautiful, even though he is uh, back with the pack. How about this, Jim? I, I got the numbers, the odds movement in the NFC North from our friends over at PointsBet. With all the rumors that were flying around on Friday and going into last weekend, do you realize one week ago today, one week ago, the Packers were not favored to win the division. The Minnesota Vikings were favored at plus 125, Packers were plus 160, and the Bears were plus 325. But, Jim, we know Rodgers is going back. He's joked around maybe he's serious. Doing the last dance, a la Michael Jordan versus Jerry Krause feels like a similar vibes up in Green Bay. So the Vikings were favored last Saturday. The Packers are big favorites over at points bet right now, minus 140. But what I find fascinating, not only were the Vikings the favorite last week, but the Bears number it keeps getting better. This is the most amount of value we've seen all off season on the Bears to win the division. They are plus 500. The Vikings are plus 225 wow. and the Bears are plus 500. I do not see that big gap between Minnesota
7: and our team. There's not that big of a gap. I mean, first off, you start with Green Bay and here's the thing. The one thing that's made Aaron Rodgers so angry over all the years is the way they've drafted. But you know what? They have a really good defense now and you throw Aaron Rodgers back in the mix, and you still have Devontae Adams, and you have Aaron Jones, and you have all these weapons and that for the Packers. But you look at the Vikings, the Vikings were were just kind of dysfunctional at times last year. And the Bears, I don't think they can be as bad as they were of a couple years ago. Remember, last year they still made the playoffs. You don't know what's going to happen with Justin Fields. Andy Dalton, regardless, is an improvement off of Mitch. The defense has got to be better, I would have to think. If you can get plus 500, that might be worth going after because, again, the littlest tweak of any issues in Green Bay may cause a whole lot of problems because in the last dance, even when things go wrong, you can have things go wrong very badly. So we'll see what happens with that. But the value is absolutely incredible on the Bears right now.
2: Well, if they keep Justin Fields on the sideline for the majority of the season, which I am not predicting, that's actually a good thing, Jim. And, yes. and I'm, not, I'm not the person saying Andy Dalton should be starting the season. I've just accepted it for what it is. He's going to start the season. I'm not sure he's going to be out there week two. But if, if Andy Dalton is still the starter in the middle of the year, that means the Bears are winning a lot of games
7: right it means they're winning games it means they're playing good football it means they're competitive within the division and at the same time it probably means justin fields is developing behind a quarterback who is playing well. And that's what you want to see. And you have Allen Robinson back. Darnell Mooney, it means that he's coming back and developing. You see what other weapons come back. If Tariq Cohen's back, if David Montgomery continues to develop, if Cole Komet continues to to develop as a tight end, I think the defense is still a very solid NFL defense. You're right. If Andy Dalton's still playing quarterback come, say, week nine or week 10, (laughs) it means the Bears are in an excellent position going forward to the second half of the season.
2: Okay, so we neglected to mention the Lions, and maybe we should have done this. I just found this uh, to be high comedy, Jim. So on Friday, when the Packers were still favored to win the NFC North, I'm talking last Friday, the, yes. Li- the Lions were in the basement where they belong at 18 to 1. So then people are thinking Rodgers is not going to play. Vikings become the favorite last week. The Lions dropped from 18 to 1 down to 20 to 1. So now okay. Rodgers is back <laughs> for sure. And they go from 20 to one to 25 to
7: one, no matter what the news is, Detroit keeps dropping. (laughs) That's hilarious. They're they're not going to be good. And here's the thing. They're going to see all these teams that supposedly are pretty good twice during the season. That might be that team that you pick on when we're talking about survivor plays in a couple of weeks there, Joe, because they might be one of those bottom dwellers. Uh, No doubt about it. What about the horses today? What are we thinking? You know what, we've done good at Hawthorne the last couple of weeks. We've had winners each of the last couple of weeks. So we're staying at Hawthorne on Saturday night with three horses. Start out in race number two, bet the six, rocket out to win. And then in race number five, bet the one Lady Bombay to win in place. And then in race eleven, bet the two, Charlotte Royal to win. Now we're not playing these across the board because the value's not as big. There might be some value there just for victories. And I think we can make a little bit of money at Hawthorne on Saturday night.
2: All right, Jim Miller. Jim, we talked about the Points Bet Sportsbook that you guys have at Hawthorne Racecourse, which is the closest sportsbook to downtown. But uh, tell the people about the two other Points Bet Sportsbook locations.
7: Yeah, two other locations, one in the northern suburbs in Prospect Heights, the other one at Crestwood, and if you go to Crestwood on Saturday, we're going to have what's called a drum drawing for the Club Hawthorne members on Saturday afternoon. And what it means is you're going to get to pull an envelope out of the drum. The minimum amount you get is an $8 wager, but there's one $10,000 wager in there as well. That's going to start at 4 p.m. at Crestwood on Saturday, so it's worth checking out as well. Drum drawing!
2: Say that three times fast. That's a tough one. <laughs> exactly. That's a tough one to do live radio. Uh Jim Miller at Hawthorne at Jim on Twitter. Jim will talk next Saturday and we will be one week closer to the real football. You got it. Good luck, Joe. If you missed the first half of the show, it was a half hour of myself and Pete Futek getting you set for the upcoming college football season and maybe a little bit of therapy, not thinking about what just happened on the north side. Uh, You can find it using the Rewind feature on the Odyssey app or subscribe to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Joe0670, at Joe0670. I'll help you find my weekday show, BetQL Daily. And you'll likely be sick of me on The Score this week. Up next, Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. The fellas don't have enough time, but I'll be listening. You should too. Madness yesterday. Guys cash tons of tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
3: we